the sad thing is like these insurance companies are pretty messed up where the statistics are like 70% of these policies or a good, a good amount never get cashed in because a lot of these policies you have to keep paying premiums. Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larby. Welcome back to another episode of Where Should I Invest? My name is Sarah Larby. I'm excited to have you back on another great episode today. But first, before we get started, just thought I'd give you guys a little bit of an update. And by the time this airs on Friday the 14th, actually, that's going to be Valentine's Day. Well, happy Valentine's Day. On the 16th, I am doing a free webinar with my mortgage broker, Dahlia Barsoom. So don't forget to tune in at 7 p.m. And also, if you're in Ontario, happy Family Day weekend. So super fun weekend. Excited also to start my second cohort of the Burr Small Group course. And uh, that one starts February 15th. It goes all the way to May. And so it's a mix of online live interactive calls as well as in person. So super excited to have the new cohort start and had tons of great feedback from the first students. Absolutely love the course. And to me, it's important that I ensure everybody has the information that they need when they're done the course and the contacts that they need when they're done the course. So if you guys are interested in the Burr course, depending on when you listen to this, it might be too late, but I am going to be doing another one in the fall. So if, uh, if you were listening to this on the first or second day that it comes out, there might be a few spots left. Just check out my website or you can send me an email, sarah at sarahlarby.com or sarahlarby.com and then just go to the Burr tab and then you'll get some information on that and uh, when the classes are taking place. On that note, guys, I have a great guest today who is I don't know if you guys have heard of uh, Lane Kawaoka. He is a real estate investor out in Hawaii, and uh, his portfolio consists of today 2,100 units. Really cool. He's also a writer for Forbes. He's got an Amazon bestseller. Ton, this guy has done tons of great information lots of great things. And he shares some great insights as well. And he, uh, he still works full time as a civil engineer and invests passively in Honolulu, Hawaii. So once in a while, I, I just like to bring different types of investors from the US, from Canada. I mean, I think once we've had somebody from Morocco and, you know, it's, it's interesting to see how the other markets, they work, right? What the numbers look like, what are the strategies out there? He also invests in across really the US, right? Alabama, Georgia, Indianapolis, Oklahoma, et cetera, et cetera. And he's got multifamily and some few single family homes as well. Tons of great information. And let me know if, if you guys enjoyed the show today with Lane and what your feedback was. And I will uh, say I enjoy getting your emails. So if you've taken the time to send me an email or an Instagram message, uh, thank you. And thank you if you've also taken the time to rate and review the podcast. So thanks very much for tuning in again this week and see you next week. Welcome to the show, Lane. How are you? Hey, thanks for having me, Sarah. Super excited to have you now. You are coming and speaking to us from a really awesome place. And the people that know me know that I love the warm weather. Where do you live right now? I am in uh, Honolulu, Hawaii. 
Hawaii. Out in the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> nice, nice. I feel like the next question should be, do you surf? I actually don't. I was kind of a geek in, in high school and elementary school. I just studied a lot. That's why I'm an engineer. I don't really like the water. So, <laughs> <laughs> so did, yeah. you, did you grow up in Hawaii or you moved I, to Hawaii? I grew up in Hawaii and then I went to University of Washington for college. Okay. So pretty close to you guys, but no, I'm not, not a surfing kind of guy. I mean, I know how, you know, it's just like how a lot of, you know, people up in the mid, mid or upper Midwest, like they know how to hunt, you know, they just pick <laughs> it up. I know how to boogie board and surf, but I don't do it. It's not your main <laughs> hobby. What is not my thing? thing? No, What's I don't know. I, I just invest in real estate. I need to get some <laughs> hobbies, you know? I know, right? So, okay, so let's let's talk about real estate and then we'll go from there. But before, you know, when you did have hobbies and you were starting in real estate, how did you actually get started and why? Yeah, so I'm kind of like a lot of working professionals. I started as an engineer. My parents told me to work hard, study, get a good job. And then, but they didn't tell me was that I was going to be at that job for 50 years. So I was working for the railroad up in the um, Northwest, up in Seattle. And I was a construction supervisor, traveling the world, and sometimes going up to Canada too. And I was never home, but it was a pretty good salary. I was able to save money to buy primary residence up in Seattle, which is an eight-class area, and um, was never there. And then I just started renting it out. And for a young kid, $2,200 a month rent and $1,600 PITI was a lot of beer money. So I was like, this is it. This is how I'm going to get out of the rat race. Just got to keep buying these things. That's it. So you said your parents told you to go to school and get a good job. And, and then when you were there for 50 years, what did they say when you started buying real estate? They actually don't even know what I do to this day. I mean, I quit my job like earlier this year. And I think they think that I'm like a real estate agent. <laughs> okay. It's a little annoying, but hey, I don't care. You know, I stopped caring what a lot of people think a long time ago. Right. Got it. So, okay. So you said PITI for those of you, of my listeners listening, can we just talk about what PITI is? So principal interest taxes insurance, is that about right? Right. Pretty much everything that's going to go in your escrow payment for the mortgage and debt service for your, your home. Absolutely. So sometimes there's terms and people are like, you know, I know what it is or I don't know what it is. So I just always like to just make sure that everyone's on the same page as we move forward. So what does your portfolio consist of today? And what's your strategy? So today I am investing in private placements and syndications because I started off with single family homes, got up to 11 of them, which would, they are great, right? I mean, I was cash flowing a few hundred dollars per property, but you know, with 11 properties, I was just cash flowing $3,000 a year, which is nothing to complain with, but I don't know about you, but I need more than $3,000 to quit my day job and to live comfortably. Yeah, absolutely. So for the syndication, like how complicated, like, are you, are you raising money in a syndication to buy bigger projects? Is that what you're doing? Yeah. So the syndication is kind of a, just a general term, right? You're, you're raising money from passive investors to come in as LPs and, you know, you can syndicate anything. You can syndicate a brewery. You can syndicate a development deal. You can syndicate classy multifamily in tertiary markets that cash flow from the get-go with a little bit of value add. You know, it kind of runs a gambit. But, so, you know, the syndication, you can raise all the money that you need or, or you can just raise the private equity or down payment amount and then get a bank loan on top of that. So all kinds of ways you can do it. So which way do you do it? So I like the uh, 
Class C and B multifamily and mobile home parks in secondary and tertiary markets where, where you're cash flowing day one. So essentially like a lemonade stand that is currently selling lemonade, but there's something that you can be improved in it. So we, we kind of raise the money for the down payment, the CapEx, cash reserves, and we get a bank loan, a Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac non-recourse loan on top of that. Okay, that's, that's quite interesting. And, you know, one of the, I think the big differences, you know, looking at multifamily in the US versus Canada is A, the prices, B, the financing. And you also mentioned the mobile home parks. Not that we don't have any, but the ours are more recreational parks. I see. So it's quite interesting. I mean, there might be the odd one here and there. I don't necessarily know. But in terms of mobile home parks, I feel like there's definitely many more out in the US versus Canada. And so can you walk us through what, you know, a typical mobile home park investment looks like? Yeah, we're just a little more ghetto than you guys who got, she <laughs> live in, yeah, I mean, I think the ones that you're kind of talking about are the more short-term rental ones that I guess we would, I would call those RV parks, you know, they're like right. vacations. Um, but, you know, like a mobile home park, in theory, they're like a class D type of housing. People that live there, they make less than $30,000 a year. Their lot rent is, you know, anywhere from like a couple hundred bucks to 500 bucks for the kind of markets that we like to um, play in. Um, of course, there's, you know, there's mobile home parks where it's $250,000 in Los Angeles, right? Um, but, you know, they, they, those weren't cash flow. <laughs> no, exactly. You'd have to get in like 20 years ago. <laughs> Right. But there's a lot of stigma to it, right? It's kind of sounds like a trailer park. If you watch Eight Mile Eminem, you know, he, he grew up in a trailer park and you think that there's a lot of drugs. But, you know, in anything, when there's a knee jerk reaction, it cleans the house of, you know, dumb money or, you know, people get scared. And in anything, you need to look and invest things where there isn't much dumb money or competition. So, um, that's inherently what makes mobile home park investing so lucrative. It's uh, not very competitive compared to multifamily or single family homes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I see, I hear the numbers. I'm like, Oh, these are really good. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a lot of podcasts and, uh, and discussion on them. So, okay. So let's just talk about your, your strategy, the syndication and you know, how you got started. How did you go from, you know, buying your properties to doing something to, to the skill at this point? Yeah, so I got up to 11 properties back in 2015. And again, I had that epiphany that that just wasn't scalable. So I started to learn about apartments. I joined, I got a mentor to kind of teach me how to get started. It is a total reboot. It, a lot of things are very different. The networks of people are very, is completely different. What you learn in single family home world doesn't quite apply in multifamily and the people, the networks doesn't carry over at all, in my opinion. But I kind of did the operator school one-on-one. You know, I was, I learned how to underwrite deals. It's a lot more complicated, the underwriting process and just started to talk to brokers in multifamily and commercial brokers control 80% of the deals. The other 20% you don't want to deal with because my strategy was going after 90% occupy properties or more to get the non-recourse debt. So that was kind of my strategy. And then I realized it was very difficult because I was living in Seattle because you really have to network with these brokers, build relationships, which I didn't really have the personality for, but my net worth was at a critical mass where I could just invest passively. So I said, screw it. I'm just investing passively and I'm going to move to Hawaii. (laughs) 
Very nice. So when did you, so when did you uh, decide to go to the passive route? I was probably learning it for about 18 months and I must have underwrote like 100, 200 deals just wasting my time. I did learn what deals not to buy and you know, I guess that's sort of valuable, but I also learned about all these other operators in the business who were doing these deals and that's the major thing with syndications. You have to build your network of other passive investors to find and get into these country club deals. They're not on the internet. You got to you know, get out of your seat, leave your house, leave your computer to find these people because a lot of them are done you know, via 506B offering where if you, you only can get in if you're in a private network of these folks. So, okay. So essentially you got to get out of your regular network, find a new network of people, talk to them, build the relationships with them. And then how did you approach the syndication discussion? Like, are they there specifically looking for investment opportunities or is that somewhere where you're meeting them at different events? And then at that point in time, you guys start talking business. Like, how does that even work? Yeah. I mean, it is sort of like a meat market. I mean, syndicated and sponsors are looking for investors. Investors are looking for a place to put their money. So if you go in the right places, you can finalize people. And, you know, a lot of sources are like conferences, real estate clubs, but as a passive investor, it's important to kind of know the numbers a little bit yourself because in my opinion, anybody can make a nice PDF pitch deck. You know, you as a passive need to know how to sort of, you don't make, you may not need to know how to underwrite the deal yourself, but you, there's a certain set of assumptions you should spot check for in doing your due diligence on the sponsor and the deal. Right. Absolutely. So do you think it's, it's important to have the deal first or the investors first as from the operator's perspective or from an LP's perspective, I guess if I wanted to start a syndication. What would be my first step? If you want to start a syndication, I would jump on on somebody else's deal and just kind of work for free. I don't think you should be syndicating other people's money if you haven't really done it before or, you know, you should partner with somebody. I mean, that's, what, that's what's nice about multifamily or these bigger deals. There's enough meat on the bone where you can sort of fairly divide up the responsibilities and part of the general partnership, you know, to get these things done, done the right way. And it can be a learning experience for all or for the new guys. Right. Okay. So somebody that's new works with somebody that's done a few syndications before or learns the rope before the ropes before they go ahead and create their own. That's correct. Of course, a lot of people who are already successful know that that person's likely to learn all the secrets and run away. So <laughs> good luck doing that, which is why sometimes it's just better to pay to play. Right. Okay. Who mentored you in this? Like, how did you find your mentor? I went to one of these um, large multifamily mentorship groups. I think if people are interested in, I mean, there's a, there's quite a dozen of them. I know them all. I don't really want to quite say on recording who I would recommend because I think also depending what you're looking for, some people are looking for different things. Some people are looking to do their own deals. Some people are just looking to analyze deals and be a passive. Some people are, they don't even live near the deals and yet they want to put it together. It's very different. Like, what you're looking for and each ecosystem is built differently and some are better than the others in certain respects it's not like there's just one good one right and things change too yeah so what's what's in the future for you like what are you working on now moving forward i'm just on a whole bunch of investors lists and uh, people send me deals to go into and so i'm just kind of sitting here and trying to find a new hobby in hawaii apparently i just try and find ways to get financially free and 
ways other than real estate, you know, infinite bank, I play around with infinite banking, looking into life settlement, investing these days and, you know, just, just trying to get out of the rat race, right? Absolutely. So what's life settlement investment? So life settlements are, um, it sounds a little bit morbid and a little messed up, but basically what it is, is you can buy a policy and you can, you can pretty much cash somebody out of their policy. And the people you're going to do this to are people who need the money. Like, you know, somebody who say they just found out they got cancer and they're going to die in the next six months. Well, wouldn't they love to have $200,000 just to take their kid to Disneyland or something like that? Or the sad thing is like these, in, these insurance companies are pretty messed up where the statistics are like 70% of these policies or a good, a good amount never get cashed in because a lot of these policies, you have to keep paying premiums. So a good chunk of these people never get to see the cash payout then because they, they starve of money to pay the premiums. And this is why the insurance companies are so rich. They, they make it that way on purpose. So as an investor, you can come in there and sort of help them out. So they're just like how you're buying a wholesale property from someone. And I think a lot of people, they get like a bad name because you're buying a property from someone at 50 cents a dollar where they could just call up a realtor and get the full asking price. But where life settlements is, there's no realtor to call. You are that guy. You're the only option to help somebody out in that situation. That's actually really unique. I don't actually know if that exists in Canada, that ability to do that. But it's actually really interesting. And so, and maybe if somebody knows that's listening to the podcast, let me know. But is this whole life or is this like term insurance that you're doing that with? I think it's whole life. I'm not sure. Like, is there a value, like a monetary value that like they pay into and it grows and it's like an actual chunk amount? Or is it like, I don't know, 20 bucks a month that they might have started for a certain amount of like 30 years or whatever it was when they started when they were younger? Yeah, like it it can be structured so many different ways. It's very complicated. Like one of them I was looking at, like you got to put in like 500 bucks a month and you initially purchase it for 14,000. But if the guy... The event happens, you get paid out like a hundred something thousand. But the caveat is the guy is not that old and he has this medical condition, but you don't know if the guy could live another 20, 30 years. And old, by the way, the $500 monthly payments do go up at 10% every year. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's quite the Vegas casino game a little bit, but nothing is more guaranteed than death and taxes, right? And I love real estate, 90% of my portfolio is in real estate, but let's face it, real estate is reliant on the economy. Like right. settlement investing is completely not correlated with the economy. Um, but I, I don't know very much about it right now. I'm just looking at it. But you know, as an investor and, and learning from other investors, I've learned that you invest in different asset classes and you always be learning about different things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't know how personally I feel about investing in like banking on somebody passing away it's just my own personal thing but hey like you know yeah. i can't i can't judge others for doing it i just it, it would be hard like i just don't think i could do this myself whether it was something that was available or non-available and yeah i don't know it's it's yeah what you need i mean i think the way you got to think about it is like look if you don't help this guy out they're gonna they only have maybe about 10 grand and they're gonna burn through their premiums in the next couple years and they're right. not gonna get a single dime of that payout yeah yeah, I guess there's some potential positive as well. Yeah, it's not for everybody. Like, let's just like yeah. mobile home parks. Look, it's not for everybody. <laughs> uh, no, it's not. And I'm just like, you know, like if you're helping, the, like, you know, I always look at just making sure that everything is a win-win, right? And so 
yeah you gotta just yeah. make sure it's it's in the right win option for for them as well so okay awesome so the next part of yeah kind of awkward yeah <laughs> hey that's okay you know what it's like it's really the first time that i even hear that that's something that isn't type of investment yeah so and that's the thing like the u.s thing like a lot of this stuff, like we never even heard about, right? The average middle class never hears about this stuff, but this is what the wealthy do all the time. Yeah. It's like infinite banking or just like investing in private placements and syndication. Yeah, no, of course. There's definitely tons of tons of different investment strategies, 100%. This one's a new one for me anyways, but probably like not for many people. I don't know. Maybe people have heard about it and it's just, I've, I'm so focused yeah. on real estate. Like obviously like I have some stocks and like I, you know, there's a, this uh, brokerage, not a brokerage, but Quest Trade, who does like this trading and stuff a little bit, like just for play money, but pretty much stops there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, my my plan is like, you know, maybe this if this market keeps going to year 2023, like maybe I slide 20% of my portfolio into life settlements. That's the that's kind of my plan. Yeah, like it, well, it's a very minority share. Boomers, potentially, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> This is like, uh, you know, it's like, it's like on that fine line between, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, you know, you know what, whatever you got to do, you know, if, uh, if that's, uh, if that makes sense for you, that's, that's what matters. Okay. So the next part of the podcast is our lightning round. So I'm going to ask you a series of five questions. You're going to give me the first that comes to mind. Are you ready? And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a quick moment and pause the podcast interview here because I wanted to introduce you to Dahlia Barsoom of Streetwise Mortgages. I am a big believer, as you guys probably have heard, work with a mortgage broker. They are going to help you scale. And when I was first growing in real estate investing and looking to buying my second property and my third property, I was going directly to the bank then. I hadn't met Dahlia yet. And I actually was hitting a roadblock when it came to financing because the bank started asking me for 25% as the down payment. And then for my third property, they wanted 35%. And it was really, really hard for me to A, understand why it was creeping up like that. And B, I didn't have 35% to put down. I had 20%. And luckily, I actually met Dahlia at that point in time. And Dahlia is actually an investor herself. And she's works with many, many investors. And she knows all the pitfalls and the barriers that normally come up with dealing directly with a bank and all the different lenders. And Dahlia was actually able to not just find me proper alternatives, but I've got nine properties now and I'm still able to get financing with A lenders and it allows me to be able to scale up without hitting the financing wall. And so she's been a tremendous help. So the other thing I really, really enjoy is Dahlia also does a free goals analysis. So if you go to either my website or her website, streetwisemortgages.com, mention the podcast and ask for the free goals analysis, it was a game changer for me. And it allowed me to actually understand what I needed to do, how many properties I was going to get because of the cash flow that I was looking for. If you guys wanted to reach out to Dahlia, you can reach out to her by email, which is info at streetwisemortgages.com, or you can actually reach out to her on the website at streetwisemortgages.com, and then just go to the contact section. And you can also call her at 1-800-208-208. 6255. Thanks for listening and back to the show. And now back to the show. 
Sure. Okay. Question number one. What is your favorite real estate investing book ever? I like Millionaire Real Estate Investor by Gary Keller. I think that there's a lot of good academic stuff in there, but I'm really not a fan of books. I mean, I think people read too many books. They should just analyze 100 deals and learn the market, learn their particular market. Okay. Number two, what is your favorite podcast? I actually don't listen to podcasts too much anymore these days. No. Don't you have your own? I do, but that's kind of messed up if I say my own. But I I listen to books these days, audiobooks. Okay. Like if I wanna if I'm working on something in my business specifically, I'm gonna look for that book. Right. I feel like podcasts are after you've been watching listen to podcasts for five years, it's kind of the same spin over and over again. Where I think books I mean, I don't know. That's just me. I don't try I don't drive for work anymore. I don't commute. So <laughs> You're living maybe in that's Hawaii. probably why. <laughs> Clearly, you've done something right. <laughs> okay, awesome. Um, what do you do for fun aside from real estate? I like to do CrossFit. I just came a little late because I took too long in my workout just now. Um, I know. I almost like I, I usually just wait five minutes and then the screen shuts down. So you like you just came in time. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just in time. Every second counts is what and they say. You know, time is valuable. So <laughs> awesome. So if you lost all your money and your assets tomorrow, how would you start again? I would go back to my day job at engineering, unfortunately, but then I would buy a turnkey rental and just start building assets. All right. Number five, if you have, or somebody has $50,000 and they want to get started, how would you recommend they spend it? It depends how much net they make every year. If they're a working professional who makes more than, who can save more than 20 grand a year, then I would say go buy a turnkey rental and buy a couple of them. But if they're they're broke and they only have 50 grand to their name, they're going to have to do get a little more creative and do some Burr stuff. So I love the Burr stuff. I, I believe you are the Burr queen up there. I love the Burr strategy. It's, uh, it's how I scaled using the bank's money. And the financing is a little bit different versus the US, but it's how I, I did it anyways. And But you can have lots of different great strategies. I just personally... Yeah, I mean, I see it work as, I mean, I, as a working, ex-working professional, I never really did it. But I saw, I had, I interviewed one of my investors uh, last week and they didn't make that much money at their day job, but they burned their first five properties and they started in 2010, just like me. And today they're worth 1.5 million. So it works, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. So Lane, where can listeners find you if they wanted to reach out? They can check out simplepassivecashflow.com, my website, my blog, and then um, my iTunes, Google Play. It's on there, Simple Passive Cashflow. It's kind of my journey on going from turnkey rentals to syndications and apparently strange things like life settlements and etc <laughs> first off <laughs> for sure yeah. any final last words of advice for the listeners understand where you are coming from you know like if i tell a lot of like working professionals with good day jobs that maybe they shouldn't go after duplexes triplex or quads get the single family homes get a few of them and then unload those things after three to five years and go to the bigger stuff Got it. Awesome. Lane, thank you for being on Where Should I Invest. Super excited to have you on and uh, aloha. (laughs) Yeah, aloha, everybody. Hey, guys, before you go, I wanted to ask you a question. What's stopping you from starting or growing your own real estate investment portfolio? I know for me, before I started, I had plenty of reasons. And at the time, they all seemed very valid. But as I started my journey, these reasons slowly fell away. And eventually, only one reason remained. 
What was actually stopping me was having a proven, actionable, repeatable system. I didn't have that. And the way that was going to change was by investing in myself, learning, listening, and looking for ways that worked. And also, most importantly, discovering what didn't and not making those mistakes again. Fast forward to today, I now have a proven, repeatable series of action steps that has enabled me to build my seven-figure portfolio consisting of multiple homes, and I'm able to manage that in two to three hours a month. Is that something that you would want? Well, I've actually taken all the knowledge I've accumulated and put that into a comprehensive step-by-step online program. It's called Rise, and it's a program that will help you from where you are now to where you want to be faster and with less of the headaches that I had. So it consists of all the templates and the resources that I use, plus over 40 instructional videos that you get lifetime access to for just a small one-time investment. And, you know, my recommendation is to make the time now to invest in yourself and grow your portfolio to seven figures so that you can bring your retirement dreams closer. If you want some more information about Rise, just go to sarahlarby.com forward slash R-I-S-E to access more details and book your spot. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.